I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We will be sharing our experiences and all their ridiculous and hilarious truths. However, to keep the identity of the students and companies we worked for safe, we won't be mentioning any by name, and if, they, if we do, they will be changed. That being said, let's get into today's topics. Why performers are actual workers, or why we even have unions to protect mm-hmm. our performers. Yeah, so this comes on the heels of Labor Day, which we hope everyone had a fabulous Labor Day weekend mm-hmm. holiday. Um, but there was a lot of, you know, um, I saw it specifically with equity, but I'm sure there were some in terms of like SAG and SDC and all of yep. those. But I saw specifically with equity a lot of stage managers and um, some actors posting, you know, I'm a proud member of this union, happy mm-hmm. Labor Day, so happy to be part of a union that truly, you know, protects and supports the artists. And um, there was a lot of backlash that came about that saying, you know, well, you know, um, why do you even have a union? Acting is not a real job. Theater is not a real job. Even stage managing is not a real job. You don't need a union. You're just playing pretend. So we want to talk about, um, well, first and foremost, why it is a lie? Right. Just why it is a real job. Um, why there is a union, why something like equity is so important. Um, so, yeah. So it's, I guess, let's start with the why it is a job, which... It's still very surprising to me that this is a conversation that is being had, mm-hmm. but I like I have had this conversation with many of my family members that um, pretty much to this day, I'll go home for the holidays or what have you, and I will always get hit with the response is, well, when are you going to get a real job? Yeah. And mind you, usually the only reason why I can see my family on the holidays is because the rest of the year I'm booked solid with dancing and performing mm-hmm. so like there is no like there is no coming home because i'm not at my own home well the thing <laughs> is the thing is you know people say well when are you going to get a real job because to them and it's and a lot of them it's no fault of their own but a quote-unquote real job mm-hmm. is a job that's nine to five you're off on the weekends you have a salary yeah. you have benefits maybe a pension mm-hmm. so when you hear someone it's like well you're working you're working all the time but you don't have the same hours as I do, and you don't have a retirement plan, which also is not true, and we'll get to that in a minute, because exactly. this is why we have unions. Um, people are like, well, that, that can't be a real job. And when I was younger, especially when I was still performing when I was younger, and I, I still have to say to some people who were like, who were like, oh, like choreography, like I don't understand, but I'm like, I, I have to go on interviews. Or as a performer, you audition, which is the same. That's your interview. Mm-hmm. I have to have an up-to-date resume. I have to be able to perform my skill at an exemplary level and have evidence to back it up. I need to show up on work to work on time. Yes. I need to be prepared for my job, and I need to execute my job appropriately. And if I can't do that, I will get reprimanded or fired. And that is the same anywhere. Our job can be critiqued. By complete and utter strangers who don't know what we're doing. Right. And <laughs> so, a, like... And a lot of people do this thing where they're like, 
oh, but there's no benefits, there's no health insurance, there's no retirement. And the thing is, like, but that's why it's something like... You need a union. Right. That's why something like Actors Equity or SCC or SAG or any of those are so important and do come into play because you're right. There was a time when they didn't exist Mm -hmm. and you didn't have any of those. And I've worked non-equity gigs before and... Sometimes I've been treated with the same respect as an equity act, as a union actor, as a union dancer. You know, so when my, so when breaks were called, I took a break with the union actors. But then I've worked other shows where they've let the union actors go on break and it's non-union people keep working. Mm-hmm. And another, the reason why I have no problem saying it's working, because in theater specifically, we have a 10 out of 10. That means you're literally at the theater all day. Mm-hmm. Or tech rehearsals. You are the, like I said, it is a normal. So a normal rehearsal day under the, in the actor world is eight hours with a lunch and dinner break, or a straight six, which is a straight six hours of like a I think a fifteen or thirty minute break. I can't remember the the breakup. But those are our date. Those are our rehearsal days. Mm-hmm. You know, is either eight or six hours. Not to mention, depending on what the show pays, depending on, you know, your circumstances, you may be leaving that rehearsal to go to another rehearsal or a secondary job that could still be within the arts. Like, for myself, a lot of the times I will leave teaching or choreographing for my students to go to a rehearsal for myself or a reading for myself or a workshop for myself, mm-hmm. which can easily equate to a 10-hour day. Right, and the thing is, like, it's not until, I mean, for me, I would get it all the time when I was freelancing, and now that I have a steady teaching job, it's like, oh, okay, you're a teacher, like, you have a real job, and it's like, Mm -hmm. I've always had a real job, I just have specific set hours, but even with these, this quote-unquote real job, Mm -hmm. I still am trying to further my career, I'm still trying to choreograph other shows, and work on other projects. So Even with the teaching stuff, you still don't you still have to come home and do all the art stuff that you would normally do. Right. You know, so the the idea that it's not a real job, like I do the running man for eight, eight hours and tell me that's not exhausting. And it's, it's just really um, humiliating when people tell you you don't have a real job because just because they don't know about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could turn around and be like, I don't know what. Um, a stockbroker does like that's not a real job and like listen I know stockbrokers who are like yeah I show up at like 12 I leave at 4 I go I mean I have a I have a friend who to be honest I'm not entirely sure what he does for a living but he is living his best Wolf of Wall Street life every single Mm -hmm. day at lunch like martini lunches are a real thing and I'm like oh so that's a real job oh yeah I have a friend that literally he is in tech um, let's call him Trevor. Trevor's in tech. And, uh, Trevor, like, was, I was, like, wanting to see Iron Man or some random movie. And Trevor was like, oh, I'll go with you. When do you want to go? I was like, well, I go during the day so I don't have to deal with school kids. Mm-hmm. And he goes, sure, let's go at, like, 12. Uh, you know the movie's going to be long to be a lunch break. No, nah, it's fine. I'm not going into work till after that. I was like, okay. So we go see the movie at 12, get out of the movie. He goes, give me one second. Sends, like, three emails. He goes, want to go grab lunch? Don't you have to go to yeah. work? He goes, No, nah, I've done like all the work I need to do. I've sent three emails. They might respond yeah, back to him. Like, and I'm like, You work for a tech firm on Wall Street, right. and yet you just decided to not work I mean, today? I, yeah, I mean, Is I, that a real job? <laughs> I also had a roommate who works in PR, 
and she would was supposed to be in at nine. She would usually like on days like you know, I'd be off for like summer vacation, so I would still be home and I would wake up and it's mm-hmm. nine o'clock and she's just rolling out of bed to take a shower. And she's like, mm-hmm. eh, as long as I'm there by like ten, ten thirty, it's fine and she would usually work pretty late, but she wouldn't go into work until like ten thirty every day, but like that's a real job. So the the scales of what a real job is is just something that I wouldn't question. Because I one of my favorite quotes, I believe it's Einstein, but it says that dancers are the athletes of the gods. Yes. Dancers have sometimes the same, if not worse, injuries as professional athletes. Like the amount of injuries sustained the amount of ankle and knee injuries that dancers sustain are the same for soccer players and football players. You know, sometimes worse because the wear and tear on our body dancers dance longer than football players. So while we don't often take impacts like football players do, we will have their especially in this day age, dancers have careers that last thirty, forty years. And right. football players don't play that long. Right. So the impact on our bodies is severe. So I know when I think of my injuries and things of that sort, there's no way you can't tell me I'm not doing work. Yeah. And so so we've established that it's a real job. Mm-hmm. It's just like anything else, no matter how you take your lunch break or what time you go to work or what you do, it's a real job. But that's why, just like any other real job, a union was created. Yes. And so the thing of, the big reason that I am a big proponent of unions is because producers want to put on shows to make money. And honestly, the rights to put on a show aren't necessarily that expensive. The certain, especially the smaller theaters, we're talking regional theaters, uh, community theaters even sometimes, but they will have stock costumes, they will have stock set, so they literally can throw a show up for relatively no money. However, the actors still need to pay their bills. Mm-hmm. Without a union there, the producers try to get over on performers. You know, they have people working for practically nothing. For an example, there was a show, I, don't, I won't mention the name of the show, but if you are a Broadway fan, you may know this. So a Broadway theater was dark, and a group of producers put a show in this Broadway theater. So it is the, all Broadway theaters are equity houses, which is the union for stage and um, for stage actors and stage performers and stage managers. So in, in an equity house, they had non-equity performers making three hundred dollars a week. Yeah. Literally, equity had to get involved because of the uproar from the community. Because the community going, like, because those performers are like making my Broadway debut because they were in fact in a Broadway house in, you know, in the theater district, but they were not making any of the money, didn't have the benefits, you know, like all the things that go along with that were non-existent for them. And that simply doesn't work, you know? I, again, equity guarantees that unions, guarantees that you are paid X amount of money for your time and talent, you know, because it's yeah. one of those things of eight shows a week is really hard on your body, especially yeah. if you're dancing or you're flying in the air, you know. It's just, it's one of those things where, like, they're doing just as much as anyone else in a job. They have to show up on time. You know, they have to come prepared. They have mm-hmm. to shelve in all the work. Plus, it's physically taxing. So, yes. 
I think it's completely admirable that there was unions created to protect these performers, stage managers, directors, choreographers, everyone. There's even a tech union, which I don't know the name of. Um, I don't either. That I, but there is a tech union that make sure that these people get paid appropriately, mm -hmm. that you have health insurance or, or at least um, the Europe have the option of health insurance. And you know, the workers' of, comp, all yes, of those. Yes, and the beauty of this type of, of these unions is that, like, they are big proponents of taking care of their people. And I know for a fact, uh, producers will often send out non-equity tours or non-union tours to go around the country not paying enough money. And so the union will often step in and go, well, we can make these, you know, what if we make this bargain and we make this trade on this mm -hmm. event later in the year to create more equity jobs simply because, again, it's it's people's livelihood, you know? Three, I, I have turned down gigs because I can't afford to make $300 a week. Yeah. You know, or less, you know? But it's the same thing where, like, I, I know other teachers who are, you know, who are like grade school teachers who teach grade school subjects. So, you know, elementary, middle, high school, but like mm -hmm. not, not in the arts. They're not a specialized art subject yeah. type of situation. And New York is great with paying their teachers, both public, private, and um, mm -hmm. charter. But there are other states um, that are not great. Oklahoma and Ohio in particular. Some of their teachers do not make $40,000. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I went to college with a girl who ended up going into education, got her master's from an Ivy League college, decided to move to Boulder, um, works for a Boulder public school. She works for, she does, she has a, I can't see. She has a special ed class, which already mm. is a whole nother level of certification. Yep. Yes, it is. And a couple of years ago, she, to, you know, to be honest, she had a rant going on Facebook where she was like, this is probably about two years ago. She'd been teaching in the school now for like mm, three or four years. She has mm -hmm. her master's, all these things, special ed certified, and she was making $30,000. And Boulder County is one of the most expensive counties to live in. Yep, and see, that's the... But that's why there's a union, because she was able then to go to the union and, okay. you know, the teacher's union and say, if you can't pay me more, I need this or I need that. But it's just as... Those people are allowed to go. Like, these are the reasons why unions were created, and we have to respect and honor all sorts of unions and all sorts of individuals and their um, employment choices. Because it's, honestly, it's no different than, like, unions will be like, uh, so oftentimes in union con unions are just there for contracts. Because there are certain contracts where, like, depending on, like, I know typically if it's a lot of dancing and it's a lot of high heels, um, they will put in seeing a podiatrist, you know, a part of their contracts, or they were, you know, massages or different little things like that to help, again, be able to do the show eight times a week without having to call out or, you know, without having to miss a show because it becomes a part of it. Mm -hmm. And on the reverse side, and this typically happens when non-Broadway actors come to Broadway, they will miss shows because they think that doing eight, you know, they think during a concert tour, is the same thing as doing eight shows a week, and it is not. So, um, our celebrity, I don't want to call her out, because she's done better, but a celebrity in particular, she's a singer, went into a Broadway show, and like, three months into the run, voice was gone, but she had a six-month contract. So she just stopped showing up to work. 
you know, so like, no one can get a hold of her, we can't get a hold of her people, and this is a well-known singer, well-known producer, you know, like, it's one of those things of like, no one can get a hold of this person because, and later when, you know, it became public, they asked her publicly, what happened to you? She pulled out that stuff, she's like, I was not prepared for any of this. Mm-hmm. However, the union stepped in and the producers were protected. They didn't have to shell out the rest of her contract money because she didn't show up to do the yep. job that she was being paid to do. Yep. So I just, again, I'm a big proponent of unions. They help. They help keep things fair and they help keep people honest. Yes. Um, so, yeah. And another addendum to our little talk here all about labor unions and real work. So recently in the news, an actor who was a part of the Cosby Show and several other projects, um, someone took a picture of him working in, I want to say like a Home Depot or Lowe's, like some type of where, like hardware store. And his wife works security there, so it's a thing. This actor has several other gigs that will be, like several other movies and television shows that will go to air in the fall. And the response to people seeing him working a normal job was everyone's like, oh, I'm so sad. I can't believe that this is what he has to do now. Like, why, you know, why is he not still making money from these other things? Like, it's so sad that this is what it's come to in this age and he is older. But he went on television and made a performer and actor and go, that's the nature of the business. We would all love to be booked. Twenty-four seven. I would. I would love. I would love to be in Phantom of the Opera with a never-ending contract. I would love to be on Law and Order with a never-ending contract. We would all love that. We would also love to be like opera singers and Beyonce, to where we do two performances and we are paid hundreds of billions of dollars or millions, billions really, of dollars, and only have to work six months out of the year if we so choose. Right. We would all love that. That is not the nature of the industry that we are in. Mm-hmm. And I think, I love his response to it. He, he literally got on, he was like, I'm fine. I'm happy. Like, I don't, he's like, I have no problem going to work. He was like, it's not a miserable job. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm perfectly fine and content with it. And I saw another friend of mine speak up. She's an actress here in the city. And she was like, I had a rough year. I just didn't book a lot of the stuff that I, you know, that I went in for. And as I myself have had that happen. I've had, I've had years where I've booked nothing. Yeah, I was just gonna. Yeah, I was just gonna say because the thing is, it just comes. It it all ebbs and flows. So you'll have a year where you just book, 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 and you might only need that that survival job just for like a couple weeks, a couple months here and there because you but your because your other contract hasn't started yet, but Mm -hmm. it's already signed, and then you might have a year where you book one. Or you book none. But the thing is, mm-hmm. not to get discouraged and realize that just in the same thing with anyone else who does any other job, it just might not be as in your face as a thing. But people yes. go through times where they take jobs they don't really love. Oh, yeah. Or they leave whatever industry, whatever, whatever profession they really want to be part of because they're like, I'm not getting anything. You know, nobody's hiring me, so let me just, like, take this job for a year. Mm-hmm. Let me reorganize my thoughts. It's just not, I feel like in the performing arts, it's way more in your face. Yes, it's a lot more public. Yes. And that is the, and I say this to the dance teacher studio owner, you know, like, there's, com- 
a question I always see on the Dance Teacher Network is, I'm a studio owner or I'm a dance teacher teaching at a studio and I'm just not making enough money. What are some of your side hustles? There's a good flock of us that always go, we teach for the public school system mm -hmm. on top of teaching for a studio. So we're always teaching that helps yeah. balance, it, balance it out, you know, so like, I teach heavier in the studio during the summer, and during the school year, I can only take the so much because of my school day. I'm definitely one of those. I will be in the education sector unto forever, just because it is steady-ish. Mm -hmm. um, then you have others that go, I'm a personal trainer, so I, you know, I pick up exercises yep. at my gym. You know, I teach Pilates. Yeah, you know? I was going to say that. And, there's, and then there's people that are like, I bartend, I wait, yep. I work at this store. Because being able to have that job where you're like, I can go in, these are my hours they mm -hmm. gave me, I know what it, I know what it is expected of me, means you're able to put more effort into getting ready for an audition, which is the same thing as getting ready for an interview. Oh yeah, and it's also, and I'm not, I grew up in Georgia, so I know for a fact that it is not always common in a lot of workplaces, but in New York City, there are several jobs and careers here that only hire actors and are totally fine with the amount of changeover. Like, a, a lot of the mm -hmm. ushers and front of house people, those are often actors as well. Yeah. So, like, I'm here to my next gig. Or even bartenders, I'm here to my next gig. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of those things of... You always... Uh, side jobs happen, you know? And it's... Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine, he's gonna make his... No, not as Broadway debut. He's going to another show this fall on Broadway... But he had like a month in between out of town previews, in between, in between out of town, yeah, preview performances and opening up on Broadway this fall. So he was like, I need money. And so literally he called up some producers from a tour that he did a while back and he was like, hey, do you need me? And they're like, yeah, but only for like two weeks. He's like, cool, that's going to be okay, but I still need more money. He picked up two serving shifts at his old bar mm -hmm. and he was like, I may not even go on that tour. It's kind of nice to, like, have some downtime because the Broadway show he's going into is the Cher show, so, like, it's going to get tons of press and be, like, a giant circus. So he's like, I think I'm just going to enjoy my downtime doing nothing and serving. Yeah. You know, so I don't... Saying that someone needs a survival job or having a survival job, to me, is the same thing as saying you're not working. If you're an actor, you're an actor. If you're a dancer, you're a dancer. Yeah. If you're a singer, you're a singer. You know, they never, you never stop being those things, even though there are times where... Where you have, you're doing that quote-unquote survival job doesn't take away from, like, what you are. It's just, this is where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to work on it. I'm putting my resume out there. I'm going on auditions. And when it's meant to be, it'll be. Because it is the same in any industry. It's just way more public and in your face, unfortunately, with the performing yes. arts. And it, I just want to look things up. It's why... It's why most artists, the sincere ones, are really grateful to their fans, mm -hmm. to the people that support them, because again, all the ones I know that are making it, are doing well, have had those years like I had where nothing landed. No oh, yeah. How much I put in, nothing lined up right. And all of these stories, all these quote-unquote overnight successes, are never overnight successes. Those are yeah. the people who served, worked temp jobs, bartended, mm -hmm. worked you know, whatever, at the Gap store for years while they were going on auditions, yes. sending out their resume, trying to make face, trying to take classes, and they just worked, 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 
and knew that it's going to happen one day. And when it did happen, it ended up being a really big opportunity. There was a quote, and it was probably posted on our Instagram because I think I've been saving it, but it's like, it's like a mantra for me that like helps me feel better. It says it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Yep, 100%. And I think about that with uh, several comedians. Um, so Hassan Minaj did the White House Correspondents Dinner a few years ago. And everyone, like, after he did it, everyone, like, got on his radar. Like, oh, my God, who is he? He's amazing. And, you know, he's since, he was a correspondent for The Daily Show. He's since left The Daily Show to, like, branch off to do other things, and he's amazing. I had known about him from The Daily Show back when Jon Stewart was still on it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, you guys are just now finding out that he's a magical, special unicorn that's brilliant at what he does. You know, or... Like, Tina Fey, prior to Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, 30 Rock, even SNL, she was a writer on SNL mm -hmm. before she started performing on SNL. So it's one of those things, like, she just kind of blew up all of a sudden. It's like, no, she's been in the game for several years. I mean, years. literally the entire cast of Friends, the entire yes. cast of Friends, yes. were just, a couple of them had a couple of guest spots on stuff. Mm -hmm or failed pilots. Some of them had done nothing. And by, by I mean done nothing, I mean just constantly going on auditions, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. constantly being in meetings, constantly not booking. And then that's why everyone's always like, oh my God, the cast of Friends blew up overnight. But those are people who really did. They got out there and they auditioned and they yes. worked their survival, their quote unquote survival job. And they did what they could until that job came around. And Believe me, it is hard. It is and hard. When the friends started, they were not making at one point the entire cast of making a million per episode. Right, but, but that they didn't was start that way. No, by no means at all. And that's why, like, it sucks to hear. It's you know, it's always like, oh, when you least expect it, it's gonna happen, or like, it's coming uh, just sure. one day, like one day, like it's gonna be amazing. And it sucks to hear in any aspect of your life. Oh, yeah. But weirdly enough, unfortunate, unfortunately slash fortunately, it is true. When you're just like, all right, I'm going to keep going, and I know one day I'm booking this amazing thing, you just got to put that vibe out there and then just keep going. You do, because I can say that when I, my first gig out of college, because I was something in college, but my first gig out of college was my internship, um, where I was making $75 every two weeks. No, $75 a week. We were paid every two weeks. Mm -hmm. That is $150 to live off of. Yeah. My cell phone bill was half of that. Yeah. So, I I was kind of like, this will be fine, this will work. Luckily, my parents were able to, like, help me out when I needed it at the time. But they were very concerned. They were like, are you sure that you want to do this as a career? Because you're not making any money. And I was like, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. I moved to New York and immediately had a rate jump that jumped higher than that. And as I'm sitting here now, five years in the city, not yet 30, my rate is almost, my rate is about $75 yeah. an hour now yeah. versus a week. You know, so it's one of those things of keep going, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's uh, another big story that, like, I'm a huge fan of is Tiffany Haddish. She did Girl Strip and, like, several other things are about to come out. Prior to Girl's Trip, the world at large did not know about her. Mm -hmm. And so when she was booking, she I think she booked Ellen. And she was on Ellen talking to her about Girl's Trip. 
things like that. And again, she's the unknown. It's Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, Queen Latifah. Like, right. Tiffany Haddish was the unknown artist cast. People saw the movie, fell in love with her instantly. And I remember in this interview with Ellen. Ellen really didn't know who she was, but, you know, talk show normal stuff. And Tiffany Haddish said at the end of the interview, she's like, I'm going to come back in about six months, and you don't know who I am for real. Mm -hmm. Ellen laughed it off. Girls Trip comes out. She's got a movie with Kevin Hart coming out. She's done, like, a national commercial. I think two national commercials. Like, she is all over the place, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, her book is out. Like, The Last Black Unicorn, reading it, through it. Like, everything kind of happened for her. And she came back on Ellen. And Ellen was like, you told me this, and you were absolutely right. You're everywhere. She's like, how does it feel to blow up overnight? And so, you know, she goes, she goes, I've been in business for over 10 years. Yeah. And Ellen goes, I totally understand. I did the same thing for a lot of people. And she's like, then you get it. It's, again, it's one of those things of when it hits big, it will be very public. But a lot of people don't see the hours of auditioning, the hours no. of classes, the working the, a day job to pay for new headshots. The little, the little gigs here and there, the student films, the non-union oh, jobs, yes. the things you take just to fill your resume to go, I'm doing something. The meet Or the meetings or producers, like... And that is why people go, oh, you don't have a real job because they don't see all the work you put in. You know, you're prior. going to work, you're going to bartend at night because you've been in auditions all morning. Yeah. You know, they don't see those things. So I can un slightly understand the reasoning and thought process behind some people not understanding um, the, the how and when of why we have jobs or why they feel like we don't have jobs. But you cannot negate the hard work that goes into, again, being a successful performer. And us dancers, the amount of physical activities we have to do in one day, mm -hmm. most people don't do in an entire week. So, yeah. no sympathy for me. None no. So, let's move it right along to I'm, I'm sorry, what did you just say? Um, I have, so I'm back to work and you know, we're starting to get in the swing of things. We're starting to gear up with like real, you know, arts elective classes and after school, um, after school clubs. We have, you know, basketball club and team and art club and dance club. So we're starting to gear up with all that stuff. And I had a parent email me on Friday saying, you know, my, my child is new to the school. We didn't receive any information about clubs. Um, is there any room for her? And I had an email back being like, listen, I'm really sorry. Unfortunately, the clubs are full. Mm -hmm. You know, once offers have been extended, if somebody does not take one, then I can reach out and see if there is a position available. Um, so, you know, mom came back to me. I was like, if you have any questions, let me know. Mom came back to me, you know, this is the only email we ever received. My child's new to the school. So I'm like, okay, like as someone who like has dealt with like a lot of this stuff in my personal time before where it's like, no, I literally didn't receive this. I went down to our office, I spoke with our operations team, they showed me everything that the person was emailed on, yeah. I had been CC'd on a bunch, and I was like, listen, like, I'm really sorry, but unfortunately, like, there is nothing I can do, if there becomes a spot available, we'll contact you, um, but that's just my I'm sorry what, because it's my first, you know, parent interaction where it's like, no, but I didn't know, like, you know, like, please let my kid in dance club, and that also makes me feel like, is it, does your kid want to be in dance club or is it just you being like, I want them to stay after school for a couple extra hours on a day? I'm not, I mean, I don't actually have an I'm sorry what, but that is one of my like 30 second rants of like, 
I know that you think your child is special. Mm-hmm. But as a teacher, I'm responsible, especially as an arts teacher, upwards of about two to three hundred kids on any given week. Yeah. <laughs> so, while I love your child dearly, and your child could even be one of my favorites, that doesn't mean you get special privileges. No. Or it doesn't mean, again, I, we create, again, why there are unions, we create rules to protect ourselves. Right. The club number is capped at whatever size it is. For the simple fact of costuming, space in the classroom, right. my own sanity. Sometimes. Right, my sanity and safety, too, for the kids and actually get yes. them to do stuff. So it's one of those things of, please, if you're a parent out there listening um, or know a parent, just remind them, like, double-check all the information you receive oh, yeah. and go in. If you're asking a teacher, like, oh, please put my kid in this class or this club, like, realize that, like, we also have guidelines. So, like, when I say it's capped and it's full, like... I sincerely mean it's Captain, it's fall. Yeah. So, let's move right along to our shout-outs. Um, so, I have not taken class because it was Labor Day weekend. Yeah, same. Uh, also, I do want to get back in the swing of classes, and but it's kind of a struggle right now. My schedule is, like, slowly filling up as the school year starts, so, like, we will get back on the horse very, very soon. Yes, we were doing because well, I mean, but I, we will right. we'll go back once once we kind of get over this little hump of the beginning of the school year. And but to be fair, I am still going to the gym, so I am still oh, getting my exercise. One hundred percent. Like, but, let's be clear, we're still. You know, I went to the gym today. I went to the gym yesterday. All right. So it's just a, classes are just not being are just not as successful as I would have liked and as hoped. Um, but I have no problem shouting out a class I've taken before. I feel like that's fair to do. So, um, a favorite class that we took once and I definitely want to go back to is Levi Marsman. Yes. On Monday night at 7.30 at Avenue mm-hmm. Yeah. Extension. That was a really good class. And it's still going strong. I still see videos and stuff from that class. Do you have a favorite class that you missed before that you want to shout out again? Um... I don't think so right now. I feel like I've mentioned them before, but hopefully, you know, hopefully this week I'll get to a class um, or next week and we can add on. Nice. Sounds good to me. Well, that's it for us. The curtain has closed on this episode, and we hope that you will join us next week. And every week after that. Uh, We want to say especially thank you to our listeners. Our numbers keep growing, and that's all thanks to you. Episodes come out every Tuesday. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music are perfect places to do that. You can find us on Facebook at Point Your Toes. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Point PYT. You can email us at PYTNYC29 at gmail.com. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. See you next week on Point Your Toes, the adventures of an NYC dance teacher.